<laughs> yeah, baby. We are the champions, Australia. T20 World Cup champions. Uh, first time we've ever won the trophy in the men's side of things. And oh, what a performance in the final. Um, they said you win the toss, you win the tournament. But we played very good cricket, got to say. Absolutely. I'm a very happy man. This is a very happy Monday for me. Uh, Charbel here from Crickblog, joined by my co-host Nash. He's got his Australia shirt on today, like myself. How are you, brother? I'm really good. I'm really good. None of the Monday Blues. I was hoping Australia would win. So I'm really happy for you. And Thank you, mate. Yeah, about, about time after women's um, team has yeah. won it five, five times. So about time for the men's to do it as well. 100%. And um, I think this one's very sweet for me personally because I think you know um, and the listeners who have followed uh, the podcast over the last couple of months know as well that my expectations were low heading into the tournament. Like I didn't know really what to expect. We sort of Australia came into the tournament with a lot of uncertainty about them. You know, yeah. I was confident that Warner could come good, but there was the issue of Warner's form, lack of cricket, Finch's lack of cricket. What do we do with Mitch Marsh in this team? What impact that has on Steve Smith um, and also positions five to seven? Um, Matt Wade, I think, was averaging 12 um, it, it, when he bats four to seven for Australia in T20 cricket before the tournament. And he averages, I think, before the tournament, from memory, he averaged 17 in T20 cricket when chasing in any position compared to about 35 batting first. So we completely defied logic in this tournament, I feel. Um, and it's just a really welcome, happy surprise. It really is. Yep, absolutely. And where do you think Australia really won the game yesterday? Um, a couple of areas. I think the first 10 overs uh, to restrict New Zealand to only 56, I think it, it left New Zealand with a lot to do. Um, and even though they did a lot in the last 10 overs, thanks to Kane Williamson and some questionable bowling and um, you know the drop catch by Hazelwood and things like that, I think all in all, 170 was a bit tricky, uh, I felt, at the innings break, considering the pitch was maybe a bit on the slower side. But, mate, we we did it. I think 172 kept us as favourites, uh, even though in a final the runs on the board could create some pressure. And then once Warner and, and, and Marsh came in as, as well there, I felt very comfortable watching that. And I, I definitely wasn't expecting that in a final to be comfortable in a run chase. I thought it would be like Pakistan game where... <laughs> You know, be on the edge of the, the seat, heart pumping and things like that. But, you know, we say the toss was crucial. It was. There's no doubt about that. But you had to play you still good have cricket. To bowl. You used to have to bowl on good still, length. You still have to play good cricket. And I think, yeah, you still have to play good cricket. And I think we were head and shoulders above New Zealand yesterday. Um, the performance of Josh Hazelwood and Adam Zampa, outstanding. Like, I'll say one thing before we move on and talk more about the game. If someone told me that, we'd win the World Cup with Glenn Maxwell scoring 64 runs for the tournament at a strike rate of 100 and Mitch Starr going for over nine and over, I would tell you're a crazy man. I would have said you're a crazy yeah. man. So for, yeah. to do it, um, despite those things, you know, I thought if we were any chance of winning the tournament, it had to be Maxwell and Stark to lead the way. But in fact, they, they didn't have to do too much, to be honest. The others stepped up so brilliantly, uh, particularly yeah. Mitch Marsh as well. So really happy for him and, and the team. Yeah. Look, I think at the at the end of the third over, I think New Zealand were really looking like they would get a big power play score because yeah. think, um, yep. Yep. Martin Guptill and Darren Mitchell really got off to a flying start with, I think they were playing at 
seven point seven and a half runs per over by end of over three. So they were 23 for no loss. And then the wicket of Darren Mitchell really pulled it back. Um, credit to Josh Hazel with that. He stuck to his line. He stuck to Brilliant. his lens. Yeah. And from the fourth over, I think uh, the run rate started going down, down, down till the eighth over where it reached, reached a run rate of five. And uh, yeah, at the end of eight over, I think, as you said, they were 40 for one. So that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. the ideal situation for New Zealand at that moment. So those five overs, I think, were critical where Zampa chipped in. Um, you know, Maxwell got an over in, although he got, he got hit for a six, but he still got an over in. Hazelwood bowled brilliantly yesterday. I mean, to only go for 16 and taking three wickets off your four overs in a, in a World Cup final in a high-intensity intense, game against a really good batting lineup, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 100% agree. And I think... Ian Bishop put it perfectly in the coin. Um, sorry, in the pitch report after the coin toss, he said, um, "You know, are New Zealand willing to risk losing the game to get a, by getting a really fast start and then, you know, aim for that one ninety two hundred? I think that's what New Zealand had to get. I felt they were a bit short, and I, I think another area where I think Australia were okay. I thought we bought pretty well at the death. I think Pat Cummins deserves a lot of credit as well. In addition to Hazelwood, I thought Cummins in the 19th over against Pakistan in the semi-final, he only gave away three runs. He was good again yesterday, bowling into the pitch, mixing up his pace. I think that was an area Mitch Stark really struggled in. He was only trying one delivery. He was only going for the Yorker. He wasn't mixing it up. There was no variety there. But but the other bowlers were excellent. And special mention here to Hazelwood as well, Zampa. Unbelievable, Zampa. And he, Zampa was a genuine contender for man of the tournament. Um, he, he should have got it. In my opinion, he should yeah, have got it. Yeah, yeah. I think he deserved it because he was so important into holding our bowling attack together right throughout the tournament, right throughout. And Especially especially when it's a, it's a wrist spinner in a T20 game on these sort of pitches. And I not think- only that, man, he's our, he's our only specialist spinner. Yeah. Absolutely. So to go with that, that was another area of concern for Australia before the tournament, I felt, was if you're going to go with the, a test pace attack and have Zampa as your number or your only specialist spinner, that's you need him to bowl very well to be successful, and he did. So credit to him. Yeah. And I think, look, when I, when I say that those over number four to eight really – uh, did the job for Australia yep. from yep. New Zealand's from a batting bowling point of view. I, I did I do acknowledge that New Zealand did very very well to put the score that they put up on board because 176 in a uh, sorry 172 in a World Cup final in a 20 over final is pretty good. Let's face it. It is. Um, it is. It, yep. it is a pressure game. You know, a couple of overs here and there, and then you're suddenly into the game and. They did, I think from, from a New Zealand point of view, what their thinking would have been, they really got off to a flying start, as you said. And as Ian Bishop said at the, on the pitch report as well, that um, it was a risk, but they did get off to a flying start where they put 23 on the board in the first three overs. And then they lost Darren Mitchell where that, I don't think that was in the plan. Um, and then they really had to pull back all their, all their big hitting game where even Guptill wasn't going for it at one stage. Guptill's so, struggle was, was a key yeah, reason as well. Um, absolutely. I think what did he and, strike at 80? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 He ate up over 30 deliveries at a strike rate of 80. That that's, that's got to hurt. And yeah, I think, I think, look, you know, had Australia lost the toss, it might've been, look, the, the result might've been very different. I do not deny that at all. 
But I think what you would have seen from Australia, particularly from Warner and Marsh, is um, a real free approach, which I didn't see from New Zealand in the first 10 overs. I felt New Zealand, you know that in a World Cup final, you know that in those conditions where the chasing team is dominating, you have to uh, lead from the front when you're batting first. You have to sort of... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say... You have to put your mark on the game early when you're yeah. batting first. I think that's really important. I think New Zealand didn't quite do that in the first half. It's only, you know, score at less than six and over in the first 10 overs. You're always catching up. I think you would have seen Warner and Marsh, even when we're batting first, really go after the bowling. Um, and we did that in the run chase. It was fantastic. It was like there was no fear of getting out. Um, and I think, you know, Justin Langer, I think it's been fantastic for him as well as the coach. You know, you look at throughout the year, he's been under pressure. But the conversations he's had with the players, they've aired out a lot of their dirty laundry instead of players going to the media. They're actually talking with the coach about their concerns. And Langer was looked, he looked a very happy figure right throughout the tournament. And it was fantastic. Yep. I think the only um, bit of worry for Australia would be Mitchell Stark. And let's face it, he's. We were not- saying that last week, the week before. I remember you were asking me and saying, you know, do you still pick him? Is there concerns around him? And. For me, I always back him in a white ball team because of his... But, but that's my question. That I'll, I'll challenge you on this. How far do you back him? Where's yeah, the, where's, where do you draw the line? Because it's high time now. And he, if, if he's performing this way in a World Cup final, really credit to the other balls that they stepped up and the yeah, batters for stepping up. Otherwise, the sword would be on Mitchell Stark for not for giving those 60 runs away in, in a crucial stage. Yeah, I know, I know. And it was the lack of variety that was probably disappointing. And I think, you know, I know people say there was a few unlucky edges and things like that, but you're bowling on-pace deliveries outside off stump on a length or half volley with third man backward point in the ring and no deep point in place. So you're really taking a massive risk when you're doing that. And all it takes is a little bit of bat on the ball and it's flying away for four. But but look, I, it's I, a I tough think... question. How, how long do you back him for? Yep. Absolutely. And more I think so the question's got to be is, well, can you replace him with someone better? Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But more so than that, I think also he, as a T20 bowler, if you look at Josh Hazelwood, if you look at Pat Cummins, if you look at the best fast T20 bowlers, Boomra, Rabada, well, Rabada has been on and off for, for a few months now, but Nokia, Nokia yeah. um, even someone like Trent Bolt and, um, you know, all these fast bowlers, they have more than just a Yorker in there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Where Mitch Stark doesn't, he has that slow ball where he rolls his uh, fingers on the ball, but that's about it. And even that's delivered at 130 Ks. Or So he has no variety as such. That's if, he, if he's yeah. stuck in a pickle, he just bowls a bouncer and that's his go-to ball or tries a wide Yorker and that's it. He yeah, doesn't yeah. have a knuckleball. I, have, I haven't seen him bowl a knuckleball, have you? No, I haven't. And the problem is as well is when the ball's not swinging, he's quite ineffective. Um, so I don't know what the answer is with Mitch because we all know that the guy's a proven white ball bowler. He's done brilliantly for Australia before, particularly in ODI cricket. But I feel in this tournament, I think they did the right thing backing him. I know it's easy to say we won the game and the other bowler stepped up. But you know what Mitch Stark can deliver you? And if he has a good day... But here's here's my question to you. Would you and I, this is this has been an absolute absolutely great win from Australia. But yeah. from a from a Mitchell Stark alone point of view, I think I have to ask this question: Would you have two bowlers or three bowlers who bowl like 
um, Hazelwood and Cummins, or would you have to have one bowler who can bowl like Stark? That's the question, because if that's the case, then you're asking too much from your bowling unit if one of the bowlers is going for 60 yeah. runs in four overs. If the other bowlers don't back him, if there's no yeah, Zampa, yeah, yeah. if there's no Zampa, then that's over 200 runs. I know, I know. And I think, look, Stark was saved by that in the sense that the other bowlers were excellent, particularly at the death. I think Australia picked Stark for his Yorkers and ability to bowl at the death because Hazelwood's more of a power play bowler as is Pat Cummins, power play middle overs. So I think the, the, the sense of Stark, there's someone you can turn to in the final overs. But I agree with you. He has to deliver more consistently now in both red ball cricket and white ball cricket because there's going to be other bowlers coming through and saying, I want your spot. Bowlers like Nathan Ellis, uh, Meredith. Even Kane Richardson. Kane Richardson. Even though Kane Richardson hasn't set the world alight in international cricket, yeah. he's there. He's an option. But yeah, Nathan Ellis in the future as well. And I think Australia going forward in T20 cricket. Look, this this ties in my point. We were talking earlier in the year about Australia's chances and why they're struggling in T20 cricket. You know, I know we had a YouTube video that, that said why Australia is so bad in T20 cricket. And the problem was it's when the players are coming into the team, second 11, it's very different to how our first 11 play. We're nowhere near the same side. It's our depth. That's the problem. So now it's time for other bowlers, other batsmen coming in, coming through to say, I'm going to stand up and be counter because the likes of David Warner are not going to be around forever anymore. Um, and we're going to need others like Matthew Wade as well. He's at the back end of his career. We need finishers coming in later down the order, people putting their hand up and saying, I'm ready. Because our first team, you know, we said it earlier in the year, I said, look, Australia always the outsiders, I felt, in this tournament, but we are yeah. a chance with our main team. And but I it's think the players realized... coming in now. Yeah, we, we want players coming through now so we can build a bit more depth so we're set up for the long term. And Shabel, I think I realised something. You may be able to better explain that to me because this playing 11 or this playing 12, 13 players, um, including Agar, who did not play a lot of games, um, they did not play as a group as these 11, 12 players in any of the previous tournament, yeah. you know, bilateral series that they lost. They have lost five series coming into this World Cup. So the, they never, Australia never took T20 seriously. Let's face it. Let's facts be facts. They, Australia has never taken T20 that seriously as they take the longer format or, or, the, or the test format. This entire group came together just before the World Cup. They played a few games in the IPL, in, in a few games in Bangladesh as well, yeah. where, where they lost. So where, yeah. does this, where does this World Cup winning attitude, obviously it's been, you know, it's been there for ages, but how, how do they carry on from here and take this into yeah. their home World Cup next year and what that can do for their confidence this win? You're right, man. Because a lot of the players hadn't played with each other, there was a lot of uncertainty about Australia yeah. heading into the tournament. 100%. I'm going to admit that. I had my doubts before the tournament. A, lot, a number of other Australian fans had their doubts too. A lot of rival fans had their doubts as well. And let's be real. <laughs> had South Africa chased their 84 against Bangladesh quicker, we might not have been in the semifinals. It's just the, the margins were so small. South Africa played brilliantly, but we scraped in through our net run rate. We played off that. We played good cricket right throughout the tournament. Don't get me wrong, because you say, look, the toss was important, but we still won three day games as well, where due wasn't a factor. We still bowled well throughout the tournament. I think now what I want 
is this to inspire the players coming through the ranks, if that makes sense? Like your Josh Phillippes, um, your Josh Inglises, um, people like Nathan Ellis. Ben McDermott. Um, ben McDermott. These guys to say, wow, you know, um, I want to be a part of this. I want to raise my game further so that when, you know, uh, Wade is not there anymore or David Warner's not there, Steve Smith not there anymore, I can slot in. Alex Carey to that as well. I can yeah. slot in um, and, and take the reins going forward. Um, Aaron Finch as well I'll add into that list. So I think for Australia now, I really want to see uh, build build our depth because that's still a concern for me. I think yeah. we were saying it earlier in the year that, um, you know, it's not an excuse for Australia to say we went to the West Indies, but we had no one. No, you can't say we had no one. We've got some of our top big bash performers, um, players with a lot of T20 experience representing the country. And these are the guys that are going to uh, take on the reins after these a lot of these guys retire. So that's an area I want to look at. Um, I think next year as well, um, yeah, I want to see Australia play with that confidence again in next year's World Cup. I think we'll have a pretty similar team to this one. Um, all things considering, I was so impressed with Stoinis and Wade as well. Like that really surprised me how well they played. I, I said to you, Stoinis is improving as a finisher. His experience in the IPL has really helped him, but the way they played, I could not have expected that. Yeah, and is that is that credit to Delhi Capitals for using him as uh, you know yeah, more yeah, so yeah, I think more so Ricky Ponting? Stoinis in a recent interview, he said, you know chatting with Punter, chatting with MS Dhoni, Rohit Sharma, Rishabh Pant, these guys learning so much in the IPL. He said the IPL has been the best thing for him. And I agree. You know, it's clear. Um, they used him in that position. He's grown confidence in that position. Um, yep. Cause if you cast your mind back to our first game back after the pandemic last year, or after the break, we had a T20 in England, if you remember, and we blew an easy chase. And Stoinis could barely lay that on, uh, bat on ball in the last few overs against like Wokes and Jordan and these guys, and we lost the match. So he's come a long way since. And, and that's really great because before the tournament, I think you would agree too, other fans would agree, is that positions five to seven, it was so concerning. It's like we yeah. haven't nailed that, but we got it right in this tournament. And I think with Australia, man, it's just when a World Cup comes around, it's a different feel. It matters more. And we're always thereabouts, which is fantastic. It's it's always a mystery why IPL is not being the um, being helpful to the Indian players. But <laughs> yeah, being it's more helpful, helpful to, to the Aussies. Players. Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah. so and sucked into Sunrise's Hyderabad as well. Yeah, David oh, Warner sucked oh. in. That was that was a big one. That was a big one. And yep. yeah, kudos to David Warner. But I think I'll again touch on before we move on to the really big positives and going into the ashes. But I'll just touch on a couple of negatives and i think it's time we address the steve smith issue i think what do you think are you would you select him for your next t20 uh series um before before you answer probably not just to give him just to manage his workload after the ashes yep before you answer it's average he averages 23 in this world cup and um run score is 69 yeah, and so, the strike rate was yeah. under 100. I know, I yeah. know. But, but say, say Australia are two down for nothing last night in the chase. I, I wouldn't want anyone else other than Steve Smith to come in. Say we're two or three down for not many. Not I even Manus? Feel, huh? Not even Manus? Um, Steve Smith or Manus. I feel you can only have one of them in the team. But you had Steve Smith yesterday. Um, I wouldn't want anyone else other than Steve Smith coming in to settle things down. Um. Look, going forward, I think, as I said, 
you know, next T20 series later in the summer, um, you wouldn't play Steve Smith in that just to manage his workload kind of thing. Um, so I, as I said, it's an opportunity for other players to perform. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they use Steve Smith as a floater to see, depending on the situation, if we're really in trouble, you can use Steve Smith, similar to that South Africa game earlier in the tournament where he sort of steadied the ship a little bit and gave us a chance, the back end to, to get the win. So I think the onus is more on the players now looking to put their hand up to come into the 11 in the future. You're Ben McDermott, etc. Absolutely, absolutely. And moving on to the positives now. Um, I think one more negative though, and one more yep. big question is Aaron Finch. Oh yes, I forgot about that. I um, had that question in mind. Showed some good form in the Super Twelves, um, but overall, I think it was a disappointing uh, tournament for him, particularly the semi. Do you see a retirement coming? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great way to end up um, going up on a high with a T20 World Cup. But again, the question for Australia is who captains and who opens? Pat, Pat Cummins, man. Come on. I mean, captains in a, a T20, he'll yeah. have to play every T20 international. And I don't think you can do that because if he's going to play all of our test matches as well, that's a hard one. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard from an Australian perspective because we've got to have the next. Next best option is Maxwell, isn't it? Possibly, yeah, yeah. Because we've got the we've got the the habit of not playing our test players all the time in T Twenty. So if you're going to pick a test player as captain of the T Twenty team, you're going to have to play them in every game, and that might be a lot for the players to handle. You yep. need to manage their workload carefully because we've got a big year next year as well. Yeah, India, Pakistan, etc. So we're going to need Cummins fresh for that. So the question around who opens as well. Like, again, it's, it comes back to our depth and it comes back to who's going to captain this team going forward. So I think for now, let's enjoy the win. Let's enjoy the win. But then we, we got some questions to answer later on. But I still, it's just unexpected and it's just such a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And now let's focus on those positives and let's, yeah. get, that, that, let's get that unexpected feeling. Um, Let's uh, explore that unexpected feeling. So yeah. uh, David Warner and Mitchell Marsh. Brilliant. Were, I think for me, two of the best, two of the uh, two reasons why Australia really won the tournament. Oh, yeah. um, what, what do you think? Warner, um, ever, a lot of people were confident about him um, coming good. I felt that he was going to be absolutely crucial to our campaign if we were going to win the tournament, like if, if we're going to make the semis and win it, I felt he was pretty good in the super 12s, but he had to go to another level in the semi-final and the final against those opponents. And <laughs> he could have got a lot more against Pakistan. Had he not, had he reviewed, had he reviewed the delivery, uh, the delivery that um, got him out. Well, he wasn't out. He didn't nick it, but he batted beautifully. He, you know what the key was? He batted with freedom. Um, you remember in the test documentary, he was saying in the changing rooms, after a match against India in the 2019 World Cup, he said, I'm scared of getting out. And Ponting said, F that. If you're gonna if yep. you're going to go out there and bat thinking I might get out, there's no point in going out. You've got to bat with freedom. And that's exactly what Warner did. Absolutely. Um, and he shoved it up uh, Sunrise's Hyderabad. He told them, Stuff you, this is what I'm capable of. And it just makes Sunrise's Hyderabad look like complete idiots the way they treated him in that IPL. Um because I was expecting Warner to have a big IPL season in a World Cup year. He, he gets motivated for World Cups, David Warner. Um, and there they completely casted him and put him on the outside. And he 
played brilliantly. Um, Mitch Marsh, I'm so happy for him, man. He was the positive for us in um, in the West Indies and in Bangladesh. They they found that number three spot for him. He made it his own. And even with a full-strength team here in this World Cup, they were very smart to keep him in number three. I yep. think that was the key. Because there was a temptation to put Smith there and put Marsh at five or something. But they kept him at three, and he batted unbelievably well. Brilliant. And do you think if Marsh, Stoinis, and um, Maxwell can share the load of that can share the load of the stock overs, the, those four overs, you can bring in someone like Ashton Agar and just yeah, give, yeah, you give, could. give Mitch Stark a bit of break? Definitely. And you need to be confident as well that Cummins and Hazelwood can deliver at the death too, but they've done well. And I think another key reason... I mean, anything we would be better than Stark at the moment, isn't it? Well, yeah, I guess, look, Stark, you can't write, quite rely on him. For me, I always have a soft spot for him because I know his talent. I do, you know? I know what he's capable of. We've seen it before, but I just feel with Stark, he needs the support of the coaches around him. And I think he need, you need he needs the support of the players around him as well. I feel like he's the guy you need to put your arm around his shoulder and say, you know, everything's all right. We're here for you. Because if you put him on the outside, I think it'll really hurt his confidence more. But I think another key reason why we won as well, man, I think Maxwell only went for just over seven and over in the World Cup with the ball. So... When, you, when Maxwell's able to deliver some really handy overs for Australia, takes the pressure off. It really does take the pressure off. So that, that was really um, a real plus as well. And the big thing for Australia from a bowling point of view was obviously Zampa going at only 5.8 and, and being penetrative um, at all stages of the game. You know, Especially in those middle overs, he got 13 wickets um, at an economy of 5.8, which is absolutely brilliant I in a T20 World Cup. I think he a tournament. I really do. Definitely. I thought when they were announcing it, um, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning, I'm thinking to myself, I think it's going to be Zampa. Then they gave it to Warner. I didn't have many major arguments. He had a great tournament as well, but Zampa set things up for Australia and he held things up in the middle. That's so important. You look at how teams struggle to fire against us at the death more often than not. It's because of Zampa's work in the middle. It's because of Zampa's work. He's able to set up that platform for us to uh, get new batters in towards the death overs, and then we can sort of keep teams quiet. I think we, we, we kept New Zealand relatively quiet in the last few overs uh, last night. So just amazing. Yeah, um, speaking, Massive credit to him. Speaking about the game yesterday, um, I, I really don't know what to make of New Zealand's, you know, New Zealand losing the game in the finals again. I, I really feel for them. I do. Uh, but I, I really... Is it time for Team Saudi to move on? Is the real question. He's been excellent. He was excellent. He was only going for 5.7 and over before yesterday. Um, I felt at this uh, when they when Lockie Ferguson was ruled out of the tournament, I thought that would have been a blow for them. I think Adam Milne didn't quite have his best tournament. Lockie Ferguson would have been a very handy addition to that team. But yesterday, apart from Trent Bolt, no one bowled well. There were too many drag downs from the spinners. There were too many loose deliveries. Um, lots of deliveries coming in on the leg stump, on the hips. Especially Ish Saudi. Ish Saudi And look, according to the commentators and um, you know, from what we could see, there wasn't too much due. I don't know if, there was, if it was difficult to grip the ball or not, but New Zealanders did not bowl as well as they have been in the tournament. They're usually quite efficient and reliable and they were completely off the pace. And 
I look, I think New Zealand, they'll, um, even next year again, they'll be very competitive. They don't know, I don't think they have to change too much. Um, I think they've got the ingredients there to be very competitive once again. They're still a fantastic team. They're still a fantastic team. I don't know what you feel about them going forward, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they stick to this playing group, I think they'll have a they'll have a really good team next year as well. And it's really key. I think Devin Conway was a big loss too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. going into the final, the way he got injured, I think yeah, that, it was a, a big loss. Blow. It was a yeah. tough blow. And the way the way they have their plan sorted for you know how to approach the game, any game they play, and how to approach the the tournaments that they play, I think they are pretty much sorted in terms of they only have to tweak their plans here and there for every game they play. They don't have to make massive changes because they have that base um, of uh, the top batters where Guptil, Conway and, you know, Mitchell do the job with Williamson coming in and then with Nishim and Tim Seifert coming in into the middle order there to, you know, finish off the innings. And then obviously you got Bold, uh, you got Adam Milner, you, you know, is Sodi who is who hasn't who has been in form but you know did not quite show up yesterday. But then again, you have Mitchell Santner who has done the job as well. So you have the players, obviously Lockie Ferguson was injured. So you have these players, you have the base um already set. You just have to tweak here and there according to who you're playing and where you're playing. And I think they are yeah. all set for next year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I think they'll learn yes uh, from yesterday and using those first 10 overs. You know, when they were 56 on the board, me as an Australian fan felt really positive at that point because a lot of teams have found themselves in that sort of position in this World Cup. They haven't been able to sort of uh, blow teams away when they're back first. That was a crucial thing yesterday. They couldn't quite do it. Um, but like you said, man, they've got the ingredients there. I don't think there's any real need to panic, but um, they'll probably look at tweaking a couple of things in their game plans and approach for next year. Um, Shabel, going into the Ashes, Yeah. this... I know it's different formats. Everyone talks about it. That's coming up uh, soon, eh? Wow. Yep. Oh, not even a month now. I'm putting all the stats, all the different formats aside. This will do a world of good for their confidence. Absolutely. You know, coming in off a winning feeling, winning a World Cup, adding another trophy to the cabinet. I love it. You know, it's like all the women's trophies that we've won and now the men's 50 over World Cups and some champions trophies there as well. It's fantastic. It's like Australia in the World Cups, man. Can't, can't write us off it. Absolutely. I, I, oh, as an Indian fan, I know how that feels. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, and it's fantastic. Um, but I think Australia for the Ashes, look, confidence will be high, but it's now about adjusting and getting some red ball cricket in the legs. That's going to be the challenge now. The bowlers are used to bowling four overs. It's now going to be how can we get them used to bowling more overs? Um, and that's why I'm probably tempted to say, leave Mitch Stark out of the first test. Play a bowler who's been doing very well in the Sheffield Shield, just so you have someone in that bowling attack that's been doing some real good red ball bowling, like a Jai Richardson, outstanding. Scott Boland even, or Michael Nisa. One of those three, I feel, deserve a spot in the eleven. Um, and then maybe you can look at bringing Mitch Stark later on in the series, if you wish, or bringing him in for the pink ball test. I think there's a pink ball test in this. Yeah, I'm going to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So Mitch Stark dominates in the pink ball test. Maybe get him in for that one. Yeah. I think you're going to need one bowler at least with a bit of red ball uh, bowling under their belt because the concern I've got is that a lot of the guys have been doing a lot of white ball bowling. There's a bit of adjusting to do, as good as Hazelwood and Cummins are. 
but um, we're going to need another pacer there, I think, with a, with a bit yep. more uh, red ball bowling in the legs. Absolutely. And look, I think for me, obviously, my support will be for Australia, goes Thanks, without man. saying. Um, Good. Yeah, I mean, as, as my second home, um, I'll always... Uh, go for Australia when India is not playing so and more so against England so <laughs> absolutely and I love I love this England Barmy Army congratulating us oh yeah that, that was yeah absolutely and then we've got other England fans saying this win doesn't count because it relies on the toss excuse me they at least score second. yeah scored Hold more on. runs 2019 ODI World Cup was a tie and yeah, you ended exactly. up lifting the trophy so exactly don't talk to glass, houses, glass houses glass houses <laughs> yeah. but you know what I would like to see speaking about the ashes and i think i can assure you one player would do this is steve smith there's over the next week starting 19th of november which is like four days away sheffield shield is starting um i think it's the third round or you know fourth round um new new south wales play victoria which is a great game tassie play western australia i think tim Payne will be playing that game as well and then south australia play queensland so good matchups good you know, good amount of competition there. I would really love to see all these players go back who were playing in the test, you know, Ashes, go back, grind it in the Sheffield Shield and come back for the Ashes well-prepared. I wonder if they will play in the Sheffield Shield, given there's only a few days after they land um, from Dubai. I think they are going to play an intra-squad match before the Ashes as well. So that'll be a chance for the bowlers to... But at least for for, for the batters, I think especially for, you know, um, Stu Smith... Um, oh yeah, he, the he need, and, as well. You're right. They've got to exactly to red ball batting. It's the yeah, very different. exactly. So, and playing against Victoria, what better preparation to you know play against an attack like Victoria? Yeah. So Pattinson and um, and these guys. Exactly. Oh, Pattinson is uh, suspended though. No, I think that's game. That game's gone. Or is it coming up? I think, I think they did up. play. Out. They did did play one game after that. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, you still have Will Sutherland and John Holland and all these all these yeah. um, players. So yeah. Some talk on Mitchell Marsh finding a spot in the Test eleven. No, please. What no. are your What are your thoughts? No, I don't look. Yes, he has done a great job in the T Twenty World Cup, but I don't see him as a as a Test player anymore. Um, I yeah, put this. Yeah. I you know I asked this question on Twitter the other day: Is why would they pick Mitch Marsh? I mean, why Why do you think they'll pick Mitch Marsh? And someone said, "Oh, he took a fiver in the Oval Test." I, I'm like, "Yeah, that's two years." Ago. That two years ago, um, we need, hasn't done Mitch anything since. We need him to score runs. Yeah, absolutely, we need him to score runs. And the and you can't pick him over Cameron Green. Let's let's face it, you can't. Well, saying, people are saying play both, but the thing I'd say is, look, Mitch Marsh is very confident, but he's he's on a diet of white ball cricket all year, and that's one reason why I've got concern about it. The second one is, what message does that send to the Sheffield Shield? where you've got players who are performing well in there, but then you take a player out of the T20 team and say he's performing well in T20, so we'll pop him in the test side. It sets a bit of a dangerous precedent, I think. You've got a reward, you've got a reward form in the Sheffield Shield, in my opinion. Absolutely. And if you're, if you're um, banking on Mitchell Marsh doing your number five job, because obviously Cam Groon, Ca- Cameron Green will come in for um, at number six, Tim yep. Payne at number seven, and then the ballers. That number five spot is the only spot that I could think of where anyone can anyone new can fit in because of and also George Bailey has said that Marcus Harris will open. Um, 
So he has gone ahead and already said this before team selection that Marcus mm-hmm. Harris will open. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Me too. I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll make the jury still out because I'll make a judgment after I see that first innings, how he looks. And yes, he has scored runs in, um, in Sheffield Shield at the moment, but he hasn't set the world on fire and he still has a long way to go in test, test match cricket. So there's, there's a lot of other players who can really yeah. step up, step up in that, in that opening spot. But leaving that aside, if you're banking on Mitchell Marsh for that number five spot, that's not sending the right message, as you said, to the, yeah. the Shield players who are performing. You know, Usman Kawaja has played at an average of 67, scored was, 404 Usman runs. Usman Kawaja's innings in the first innings for Queensland when the pitch was doing all sorts, all the others oh, were brilliant. around him and he hung in there and played a great inning. So I'd love to see Usman there, whether he's opening or five. I think he deserves it. Um, he's got a lot to prove, I reckon. He's very motivated, was he? Um, the banter between he and Ian Chappell. So I feel like, you know, Usman Kawaja in the team, I think will, will be a great addition there. Yep. And it's, I think it's time Australia look at someone new and not just keep rotating these. Um, it's almost like, you know, those bottom four Premier League teams where they just keep rotating the same managers, you know. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's well, one manager. You said that about just Kawaja keep going. as well, though. He's been there before. So, yeah, absolutely. But Kawaja, right now, as I said, Kawaja has been in form and has been in form for a long time. You also have Henry Hunt who has done the job. You also have Tim Ward who has done the job. You also have someone like a Nick it's Madison. It's a bit early for those two. Maybe um, Madison is in good form. Bryce Street's a good player. But I think Madison's in good form too. Yeah, he's playing brilliantly. He's a shout. So uh, if you say Marcus Harris is, yeah, going to open, leaves the number five spot open. We'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, exciting, but, uh, exciting it's, times. It's got to be based on Sheffield Shield Red Bull former. To, to slot Mitch Marsh in there, yeah, I think it doesn't send the right message. I really hope Michael Nizo gets the first game. I really hope, and St- I think Stark should sit out the first game. I, I, I would do that. I would do that. I'll just give Stark a rest to say, gather, gather your thoughts. We'll get you going for Adelaide. Um, pink ball. Uh, there's there's a few other other bowlers who are you know whose names have been thrown love, around. Charlie Richardson, man, what a game! Charlie Richardson, had. Scott Bolin. Bolin's um, bowling beautifully. Mark Great Stickety numbers as well. Great numbers. Uh, Bolin's got in first class cricket. What he's got about two hundred and seventy wickets at about twenty six yes. from memory, yep. something like yep. that. Even this season, he's he's averaged ten point eight zero at he's a quality fifteen red ball wickets. Bowler. He's a quality red ball bowler. The step up to Test cricket, I think, will be different. And I wonder how. But he's experienced, perform. though. He's experienced. He's got experience. He's got uh, numbers behind him. And I think he'll be a very good foil for Hazelwood and Cummins. But I think someone like uh, Michael Nisa offers a real point of difference, as does Jai Richardson. A bit of extra pace, uh, particularly with Richardson, can make the ball talk and he's an attacking option. So I think Australia will be well served looking at one of those three options because, yeah, I think if you've got Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins as your uh, attack for the first test, I really worry that it won't last uh, five tests. We'll, we'll be short on uh, legs, a, a red ball bowling um, fitness, if, if that makes sense, because they're all built at the moment on bowling four overs in a T20 game. Yeah. So a lot of adjusting to do. Nash, thanks so much, men. Um, Congratulations again, Shabel. Congratulations thanks, on the win. Um, really happy for you. And I hope the the form, this form from the Australian team carries into the summer and we get to see a Absolutely. really exciting summer ahead. 
be fantastic to sort of get the Ashes win after a T20 World Cup. That would be quite the end to the year after what's been what was a challenging year beforehand. The issues with Langar, losses in matches overseas. Um, So congratulations to all my fellow Australian fans. Um, Let's enjoy this. This is a wonderful moment for us because a lot of us weren't really expecting um, us to, to, to go all the way. So this is awesome. Thanks, Nash. Thanks to our listeners. Thank you.